It's no secret that veterinary medicine has a diversity problem. In fact, the lack of diversity of our profession is at the top of all professions. And this week, we want to talk with an expert who is part of an organization that's trying to get more diversity and inclusion in our profession. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And a tough topic that we keep revisiting is the lack of diversity in veterinary medicine. And guys, no matter what we do today, we have to take action for the future. And this week, we've got a person who is doing just that and an organization that we want you to know about. But before we let you know who all that is about, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, you know, the lack of diversity and the issues with lack of inclusion in our profession are, are really well documented and covered. I mean, we've we've spent considerable amount of time here over the last six and a half years, Viewfinders, discussing this. But this week, we're going to go back again, Becky, and tell us a little bit about this guest and what they're doing, because I got to tell you, this is a, a conversation I'm really excited about. One of my favorite things about going to conferences and, and having to socialize in general is that people I really like and respect say, oh my God, you have to meet this person. And that is how I met our guest today, Dr. Valerie Marcano. Uh, she was a fellow sangria drinker to, if I, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And I thought, I like this girl immediately. She knows she has good taste. Um, but I was really excited to learn more about her and her organization, Plausibility. And Dr. Valerie, first of all, is a fellow UGA alum. So I know you're going to love her. And I Good know odds. that that makes her smart and brilliant and amazing right off the bat. Right. But she's also um, attended Cornell for her bachelor's degree. She is a poultry veterinarian, which we know that there's not nearly enough of. But the reason we have her here today is because she is a chief executive officer and founder of Possibility. And this is an organization that really focuses not just on DEI, because I think we talk around it a lot, but it focuses on actionable ways to help people learn how to recruit and retain underrepresented members of our industry. And I love people who are solution-based. And that is Dr. Valerie. So Dr. Valerie, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Yeah, and and Dr. Marcano, I mean, it's it's always fascinating to me these relationships. I mean, both of us go to UGA for vet school. Then there's that Cornell UGA corridor that we all know so well. I mean, there's a lot of back and forths, you know, of, of faculty and students and so forth. But tell us a little bit about how did you get involved? I guess first in poultry medicine because that's I mean that's an interesting specialty in and of itself. So what drew you to poultry medicine? Uh, a series of fortunate events, honestly. I grew up in the Dominican Republic. So even though I was I was born in Florida, I lived in the Dominican Republic until I was 14. Oh. And there, uh, my mom is a veterinarian and I got exposed to many areas of veterinary medicine through her. So I got to go to her veterinary clinic. She um, practiced small animal medicine. She also worked for the Ministry of Agriculture. And so we got to go out to farms and work with goats and with sheep. Every now and again, we'd go out to a farm and I'd get to hang out with the horses. And so I grew up surrounded by agriculture. 
And when I moved to the U.S., I moved to the Bronx and went to high school there. I finished the last three years of high school and I really missed the interaction with animals. And I started volunteering and working at, you know, pet shops and veterinary clinics, not initially thinking that I would specifically go into veterinary medicine. But when it came time to to go to college, I picked animal sciences as a major and focus on that pre-vet track. It just seemed to to make the most sense based on what I found interesting. Right. And while I was at Cornell University, I started exploring other areas. So I became involved with the, the vet school's uh, swine club. I started talking to veterinarians in different fields, including a number of poultry veterinarians. I started doing research and I really fell in love with research, with immunology, with endocrinology. And in exploring all of those, I just kind of fell into poultry. And I really loved the fact that poultry veterinarians get to combine so many areas of veterinary medicine. So looking at pathology, at immunology, at vaccines and production medicine. And I just, I fell in love with it. So I ended up doing a combined veterinary and PhD program at the University of Georgia. And my PhD focus on on poultry medicine. Yeah. And of course, uh, for those of you you finders that are familiar, I mean, the UGA poultry program is one of the top in the world. People from all over the world literally come there and study. So Valerie, congratulations, because that's not an easy uh, program to get involved with. Okay. So I get that. I love this story. It's fascinating already. And it explains a lot to me, at least on the outset of kind of what you're doing today. And I think that that for me, you know, when I, when I hear the stories of people who grew up in the vet world, you know, you know, the game, (laughs) Valerie, you know, the challenges. And so you were prepared coming into it. So I I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, I'd just like to clarify, I was actually not in the poultry science department. I did my PhD at the USDA laboratory, Southeast Poultry Research Lab, which as of now is is renamed um, across the street, working on Newcastle disease. So I did get involved at the Poultry Diagnostic uh, Research Center and got to work there part time. Uh, uh, for a couple of years while I was in vet school, but I was primarily at the Southeast Poultry Lab. Wow. You know, Valerie, our intersections continue to be compounded. I actually worked and did uh, research at the USDA lab down in Tifton, Georgia, back in Dick Cole's. Uh, we were studying aflatoxins, remember Turkey X disease <laughs> back in the day. So it's oh, fascinating. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, really, really, it's it's amazing, guys. I'll, I'll tell you, viewfinders, and you guys all know this, just how connected we are as Valerie uh, and and. Becky, Becky both mentioned, you know, it's a small profession out there and it's just, I love these intersections. Okay. So you move from the Dominican Republic when you're 14 or so, and you move up to the Bronx. Uh, and, and so far you're probably still living in a fairly diverse world. Is that correct to say so far? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But then you get to vet school where maybe not everybody looks like you or sounds like you or, or has the same cultural background, right? I mean, how did that adjustment, I mean, w- were you prepared for that aspect or was that just something that you just sort of accept and say, well, this is just America? In a way I was and in a way I wasn't. So growing up in Santo Domingo, I was very fortunate to be exposed to people from all over. So my my cousins are half Italian. I had neighbors that were German from the Czech Republic, from Haiti. So I got to interact with individuals from a, a lot of different backgrounds and walks of life. And moving to the Bronx was no different. Um, the right. community where I was was very diverse. There were um, a lot of individuals from different countries in Latin America. There were a lot 
lot of African-Americans. And the high school that I went to was actually Bronx International High School. And one of the requirements to go there was to have been in the U.S. for four years or less. Oh, wow. This meant that everybody there was from different countries. So it was absolutely fantastic to get to interact with people from all over. And it was good and it was challenging because our common language was English, but not all of us were fluent. And so we were all learning together in a way, um, coming in from all these different backgrounds with a lot of different languages, even Spanish, right? You have um, terms that in one country may mean something and in a different country may mean something completely different. So even if you are speaking the same language, a lot of times it can be interesting to yeah, <laughs> um, to communicate imagine. for sure and then going to to cornell university i um ended up living at the international living center my first year and so while main campus was not as diverse i did the pre-freshman summer program was which was a diverse program lived at the international living center which was also very diverse and then as i started going through my second third fourth year and started hanging out in different areas of campus, I started to see how less diverse it was everywhere I went to. So my classes were less diverse. Um, The instructors, the demographics of the instructors was not as diverse. And so it started to dawn on me that I had been living in this diverse bubble, if you will. And I was slowly getting burst out of it. Um, And then as I, so I didn't get into vet school the first time that that I applied and I worked at the, um, at the vet school at Cornell for a year. And as I, you know, reapplied and completed different classes and requirements and then started my journey in the vet and PhD programs, I started to see less and less and less diversity. And it was in terms of race and ethnicity, in terms of individuals from the LGBTQIA community, as well as the knowledge of the veterinary profession. So not everybody had the the exposure to different areas of vet med that I was really fortunate to have had. Yeah, and and Valerie, I I don't know how it is currently, but back in my time, uh, poultry medicine was probably even more segregated, if you will, right? I mean, I, I would imagine you encountered even more lack of diversity as you entered into the poultry program. Is that true or has it become a little more diversified? Yes and no. So we it is very international. So yeah, while right. it is um, not as diverse as it could be from the same racial perspective from individuals from backgrounds in the U.S., so Latin individuals from families that have been in the U.S. or individuals that are African-American, um, individuals from the LGBTQI plus community. It is a diverse community in terms of international. So we have a lot of individuals that have obtained their degrees in other countries and practice uh, poultry medicine in the U.S. or that have come to the U.S. specifically to be trained in poultry medicine. And so Actually, I am the the first chair of the the AAAP is the American Association of Avian Pathologists, and is the the group that I guess where the poultry people are. Right, <laughs> um, right, right. And on the on the veterinary side, there's also the the, the right. poultry science association. Right. But the the AAAP, um, I was the chair of the first diversity and inclusion committee, and one of our goals as part of that committee is to get some of that demographic information so that we can see where we stand relative to, you know, the rest of veterinary medicine, which in and of itself is not diverse at all. 
Right. And again, it just in general, agricultural realms tend to be even less diverse. So, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that you're actually, you start A, pushing within your specialty, you know, the poultry side of things, but now you've sort of branched out and explain to us what, what possibilities VetMed is and what your goal is and, and sort of how people can get involved. Because I think this is a really interesting extension. I mean, I, I guess there's two questions I'd like to ask you in addition to like, okay, tell us all about possibilities VetMed, but what, what, drew you to take action? I mean, was there anything or did you just look around and say, I think the world can be a better place? What, what actually was that catalyst for change? A combination of things. And I feel like that's sure. how I've answered basically every question, right? No, no, no. <laughs> it we, depends. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it depends. Yes. And also no, but also yes. Um, right. <laughs> so as I, as I saw some of the, the lack of diversity in the profession in so many different dimensions of it. I just started thinking what is a way in which we can make this profession continuously better? How do we as a profession continue to to grow and make it accessible? And so what I've realized over the years is that my interests, which are seemingly all over the place, um, <laughs> are actually all about accessibility. Um, accessibility to veterinary care, accessibility to veterinary medicine, accessibility to agriculture and food. So I, my, my drive to join poultry medicine is really based on being able to provide accessible protein sources, being in, in a profession and a side of the profession that really focuses on, on efficiency without compromising animal well-being, a profession that really thrives to continue to grow. And I've found that that is the same when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. My goal is really coming into our profession and seeing how much more diverse it could be if we increase accessibility to our profession. And then I also do a lot of uh, accessibility clinics, so vaccine clinics and wellness centers, because I strongly believe we need to provide that access of care and allow individuals to have access to veterinary medicine. And so all three of those combined have really come from me continuing to see how much better the profession could be and trying to figure out what are the avenues that I believe I can where I can make the most meaningful contributions and possibilities that med as a nonprofit that focuses on mentorship resources and professional development for individuals from communities that are often underrepresented or undersourced is my contribution to to that area so it's a space where people 18 and older, and hopefully by the end of the year, people 13 and older who are interested in veterinary medicine can have access to individuals, to resources, to mentors. And that would be for people who want to be veterinarians, but also for those that want to be technicians, who want to be assistants, who want to be managers within our profession. I love that focus on underrepresented communities and providing veterinary care because it's like, to me, one of those things that just proves we don't know what we don't know. And I, I, if we don't have access to and we aren't able to see people doing things, learning what our different options are, and if we don't have access in our immediate circle, how do we ever know these things exist? And so 
I remember we had Dr. Alan Kennedy on and he talked about when he was applying to vet school, um, he knew he wanted to be a veterinarian his whole life, but couldn't find places where people looked like him and that it, it was important to him. And I, and I just remember that hitting my soul so hard. And so I love the idea that you're reaching out to these younger communities and a particular shout out for all the different roles in the veterinary practice, right? We get so hyper focused on being a veterinarian, but there are so many roles and, and, and possibilities. You have a ton of amazing people who are involved, who want to be mentors and to work in this. Um, I want to take a second and pull out the word mentor. I think that we throw it around a lot, but we don't always unpack it and know what it means. So when, when possibility mentorship is, um, the topic of discussion, what are we talking about? What do we need to be amazing mentors? What can somebody get out of mentorship with possibility? Possibilities that Matt is actually fully virtual and it is free of cost to the user. And that's because we want to be able to overcome any socioeconomic and geographical barriers to joining veterinary medicine. And so anyone who joins Possibilities Vet Med goes through a two-hour mandatory training. And this training goes through the very basics of diversity, of equity and inclusion, of mentorship, and some mentions of like professional development of the benefits of a mentorship for both the mentor and for the mentee. And so what we're trying to do is to have individuals access to mentors that know how to be mentors. And we're not necessarily a mentoring program. We're not necessarily a mentoring program as much as we are a network to, to find mentors. So, I mean, mentors are these individuals that emphasize the growth of the mentee, right? It's usually between a junior and a senior person, but there's like a bazillion ways to to mentor someone. It is this reciprocal relationship. It is a, a two-sided continuous relationship in which the mentor becomes a source of information. They help the mentee grow. They may coach them, they guide them, they listen to them, they inspire them. They may not necessarily know all the answers to what the mentee knows, but they're there to listen to them and to help them in in different ways, even if that means going and finding that answer or giving the mentee the tools that they need to go and find those answers themselves. Yeah. And Valerie, I, I got to just stress to the viewfinders, this is such an important element of inc- increasing diversity and being more inclusive to have these faces, right? I mean, a, a Becky just articulated it so well. We've, we've had several guests over the years, Becky, who have said, hey, I just didn't see people like me. And therefore, I was turned off by the profession at first, right? It was only later that I discovered there were pockets of people like me around the globe. So I love the fact that you're actually you know, putting something into to place that works and actually shares and exposes people to the wide you know spectrum of, of folks that are in our profession. Love it. I think I, I, I think you're I mean, you hit the nail on the head too. in, I think, explaining mentorship in a reciprocal fashion. Yeah, I think we right. miss out on that where a lot of people come into mentorship like, OK, you're going to tell me what to do and how to do it or, you know, um, are not always aware that there is things on both ends uh, needs to be met on both ends. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you about that's kind of been on um, my mind in in terms of the other side of possibility from mentoring is this recruitment and retention aspect. And I think 
that's really important. I, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard, you know, Hey, we hire the best candidate and we're colorblind and, um, microaggressions, frankly, like that, um, exclusionary statements that are, are exclusionary of the fact that perhaps diversity is what makes them the best candidate. And so I'm interested in, I guess, for sake of sounding, I guess, unintelligent, what's your sort of elevator pitch? Give me your, you know, your short on what does recruitment look like in this really important way? And what does retention look like in this really important way? And maybe it is just a teaser so people come over and join possibility and learn more. Um, but I think as a practice management consultant and, and working with practice managers, this is such an important question that they need answered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think oftentimes we're spending a lot of time and money and resources on specifically on recruitment, right? And you can do all of the recruitment you want if you don't have retention strategies in place for the entire team, you're going to spend your entire life recruiting, right? Because people are not going to stay. They're going to continue to leave. And so mentoring is actually one of the, the top strategies for retention. It has been shown specifically that like there's been different studies of sun microsystems and um, there's been just, honestly, I can, I can list a bunch of studies, but I won't. Um, <laughs> but that both mentors and mentees benefit from that mentoring relationship. They, it not only increases, you know, their, their network, but it also are, they're also become more likely to be promoted. They're more likely to stay within the organization. I think the Sun Microsystems for, um, the Sun Microsystems study showed that the, like, while the mentees were like, five times more likely to be promoted, like mentors were like six times more likely. And so having a mentoring program or having individuals have access to mentors not only shows them that there's someone who who cares about them, it makes them more committed on both sides. Yeah, I love that. Let me ask you a quick uh, question too about the scope of, of possibilities vet med. And, you know, we, we see a lot of groups that focus on perhaps, you know, an improvement of minorities and others that are focused on LBGTQ plus issues, but you've mixed them all together into one big initiative, right? And tell, tell me a little bit about how that works. And do you think in any way, I mean, how, how does that boost the whole issue, right? Because, you know, we see a lot of targeted uh, initiatives, but I've never seen one that's so broad. Yeah. So they're, I think they're complementary. I don't think there's one that is, you know, superior or inferior to the other. Right, right, we right. just want it to be in a way complementary to a lot of the initiatives that are already out there. So we are not, um, you know, equivalent to any of the affinity groups like, you know, MCVMA right. or the Black DVM Network or LVMA, right? We are not um, the same as any of the recruiting groups like the Blend Pathway Programs right, or right. the, you know, Vet for a Day. What we are is a pipeline community in which individuals can come, they can find like people, they can learn, they can grow. And with the current... um discontinuation of like the some of the affirmative program affirmative action programs throughout the nation we have to prepare individuals to be able to compete in a system that has not really been set up for them and has not been set up for for our success right and so 
like Becky had had mentioned before, sometimes diversity may be what makes that candidate more like more experienced and more knowledgeable or a better candidate for a specific position, not in terms of belonging to a, a community where they are un, like where they're often underrepresented in, in that scenario, right. but based right. on some of the struggles that they may have gone right. through or based on the experiences that they may have and how those experiences and their culture and their background is different from what others have within whatever scenario it is, be that, you know, the veterinary profession, because the data shows where we have veterinary deserts in the medical field, what they've shown is that the candidates that are most likely to go and fill those positions where these veterinary deserts are, are individuals that are from those communities or similar communities. And so we need to create that exposure. So where Possibilities comes in is theoretically creating this community where when everybody goes through these programs and find these affinity groups, they find a place where they, they're a part of it for their entire selves and not based on their race and ethnicity or based on the fact that they're a member of the LGBTQI community or on the fact that they have a disability or that they're a veteran. Um, they can be their full selves. And we welcome allies because we strongly believe that a lot of the legwork should be done by allies. And so we create this program for the support of individuals from communities that often don't have the resources but we are helping train our allies to be the leg that these individuals stand on to provide them the what they need to to grow and to be better and to be able to compete in a in a system that was not created for their ultimate success. Yeah, I mean, and that's really that's the take home message viewfinders. I mean, this system was not necessarily designed for people that are minorities are part of the LBGTQ plus community. I mean, you know, so th these are great pathways. And I love the fact that you've kind of created a little niche for possibilities vet med Valerie. I mean, I think that's really well done. And I think it's needed. So I, I again, congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think for me, the last thing I'd want to know and, and just kind of to wrap this up is, is a couple things. Well, so first of all, I think you brought up the point that it's important for every role in the clinic to be represented. Um, and I, and I really appreciate that aspect of really keeping that in mind and, and focusing on all the roles in the clinic. I really appreciate how you talk about mentorship. I think the last thing I would really want to know from you is as allies, it's, it's so important. You know, you said for us to do a lot of the legwork and what does that look like? It's so hard because, you know, not too long ago, we did a, a conversation. We did a podcast about allyship and how to be a good ally. And, and from what I understand the best, it's like, don't expect underrepresented groups to explain everything to you, to tell you what you need to do. <laughs> right. And so I'm sorry to be asking you <laughs> when I, when I think that it is up to us to know what to do, but when you are talking to allies, what is being an ally with possibility look like, I guess would be the best way to ask that. And, and what advice do you give for people who want to do better? 
Yeah. How can we be an ally without asking you how to be an ally? Right, Becky? <laughs> you say, as you ask me how to be an ally, got it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No worries. So, yeah. yeah. So first, let me address what you said about the role. So I there are, there are not as many resources out there for mentorship in veterinary medicine. And while they're growing, a lot of them have been focusing on veterinarians. And so it is really crucial for us to really look at the entire team. A lot of the things that I learned, I learned from technicians. I learned from assistants, right? I didn't learn everything I know from veterinarians. There is cross-mentorship and apprenticeship that happens in our field from all roles, and all roles deserve to be supported because while there is a veterinarian shortage, there's also a shortage for every other role within our profession. There are, you know, high levels of burnout. Like, we need to focus on our entire team, and that is the approach that we are trying to have at Possibilities of Med. Now, in terms of allies, actually, after... Um, some of the conversations on allyship that we've been having um, this past year, Possibilities Vet Med actually created a tab under our website where individuals can go and look at different ways to be allies and to support diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so the page is actually, if you go to possibilitiesvetmed.com under learn, it's called YDEI. And on it, you, it has an entire list of how can you support Possibilities Vet Med today. So things like attending our webinars and becoming a mentor, creating spaces of belonging, donating, educating yourself, following us on social media, like getting merchandise. So joining the platform, you know, finding ways to to grow the organization. But it also has a section for supporting inclusion in veterinary medicine as a whole. So amplifying the voices of individuals that are doing this work in veterinary medicine, donating, being accountable, finding and supporting some of the groups, uh, being a volunteer. And it has an entire section on organizational support. So how can an organization in and of itself be or how can an organization create some of these inclusive spaces in veterinary medicine? So having codes of conduct that are enforceable, providing training, supporting the affinity organization. So there are a lot of ways to, to support. And there's a lot of data. There's a lot of information out there in the internet. I think most of the affinity groups in veterinary medicine have within their pages um, resource pages where people can go and learn about their initiatives, where they can learn about diversity, about inclusion, about how to be an ally. And then there are in addition to all the affinity organizations out there, they are allied organizations that are doing a lot of this work. Dr. Mia Carey speaks about allyship. Um, Alyssa Mages speaks about allyship as well. Garnetta Santiago does. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of individuals out there that are speaking on different topics within veterinary medicine. So if you are curious about it, bring someone in into your organization to, to talk about it, but do some of that work yourself as well. Love that. And again, you can learn more at possibilitiesvetmed.com. We'll have all those links in our show notes uh, so you can check them out and definitely get involved. And speaking of that, the last thing, uh, Dr. Valerie Marcano, how can people get involved? Yes. So if you go to possibilitiesvetmed.com, you can actually click on a tab that says get involved. Um, it has the information on how to join. So you can join the platform for free to be a mentor, to be a mentee. You actually get the choice to be both as long as you take that training. You can give, you can be a volunteer, um, not just with the platform, but with the um, 
but with the nonprofit, you can join our different events. Um, there's a myriad of ways to, to get involved and those are listed on there. Gosh, love it. Dr. Valerie Marcano, making a difference in the world. Possibilities Vet Med, trying to improve the diversity and making our profession more inclusive so that we can succeed. Becky, how can people tell us what they think about all this DEI and Possibilities Vet Med? Well, I want to hear what folks are doing out there. I want everybody to go check out Dr. Marcano's program at Possibility and to just do better. We, uh, we know we can learn better and do better and the resources are out there. And then tell us all about it over on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. And you can always send us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. And we can't even say Twitter anymore, Becky. I don't know what it is. This is this has just gotten to be a lot of nonsense out there. So I don't I know. Know. we're not doing the X Twitter XX whatever whatever that is. I don't know. Dr. Valerie Marcano, thank you so much for joining us today. And viewfinders, get out there, get involved, and make this profession better. Until next week, bye. 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 bye.